We just stepped on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. One, two, three. Bullshit. Welcome to the Tide Run Sports Podcast. I'm your host, David Fay, coming to you today from the Rankin Smith Studios to talk to you about the upcoming NFL draft and to answer the question Should Georgia's Trayvon Walker be the number one pick in the 2022 draft? If you're new to the show, please make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe to us on your podcasting platform, and please make sure to share this podcast if you enjoy it. And as always, you can reach us by email at tideronsports at gmail.com. So Trayvon Walker has had this Mike Mamula-esque ascension up draft boards from a guy who was, you know, probably ranked somewhere in the 20s on most draft boards for most of the season to a guy who is now the betting favorite in Vegas to be the number one pick in the draft. And this draft is weird anyway, and we've talked about this throughout the entire offseason, how in the absence of any really high-level elite quarterback prospects, people are going to rise. That's how you get guys like Eric Fisher going in the first round going as the number one pick in the draft back in, I think it was 2013. And whenever there's not high-level quarterback prospects, you will always see buzz around people at the top of the draft that you would not typically see. So Trayvon Walker has recently risen up draft boards after just having one of the most freakish combines we've seen. Thus the reference to Mike Mamula. If you're not sure who he is, go look that up. That's worth your time. The 1995 NFL draft, complete bust, but he was a combine freak that went from a guy that was relatively unknown to a guy being, you know, in the top 10 of the NFL draft, and he was a scrub in the NFL. But I think in talking about this and asking how did Trayvon Walker pass Aiden Hutchinson, who was the consensus number one pick a few months ago, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, who was the consensus number one pick for most of the college football season, how did he get there? And just in general, how do we even assess edge players? So I want to break that down, and I want to make some comparisons between Trayvon Walker in the number one edge prospect in previous draft classes in recent history. So, talking about edge players, one of the very first things you're going to hear talked about, especially with Trayvon Walker, is measurables. So, we're talking about two things here when we refer to measurables. Number one is their physical profile, and that is quite simply height, weight, and arm length. Size matters in the NFL. You'll hear NFL scouts say this, that big people beat up small people. And so, you don't see 230-pound defensive ends. And you also don't see 300-pound defensive ends because they can't move the way they need to move to be able to rush the passer, which is, without question, the number one job of edge players in today's NFL. So height, weight, arm length. Trayvon Walker, obviously, at 6'5", 272, with 35-inch long, which, by the way, if you don't know, is freakishly long. Checks all those boxes. And so physical profile is one of the first things that you're going to see when people talk about measurables. And the next thing is just athleticism. So what were their testing numbers? And essentially, you've got three things that people look at. Straight line speed, which is your 40-yard dash time. And they look at your splits also to see what kind of acceleration you have. So if someone doesn't have a great 40 as a defensive end, but they have a great 10-yard split, that tells you, okay, this guy can get off the ball. So this guy may run a 4-7, but his 10-yard split is a 1-4, which is elite, which tells me he gets off the ball really fast. So... Straight line speed, explosion, which is measured by things like your broad jump and your vertical jump, which is to say, like, if you may not necessarily have straight line speed, but do you have hip explosiveness? Could you explode through a blocker? Could you explode through a tackle? So it measures those kind of things. And then agility. How well can you move laterally? How well can you change directions? 
which is measured by things like the three-cone drill, which is one of the big things that has Aiden Hutchinson as a high prospect, is that his agility drill times were just off the charts. And these are the three things in the athleticism measurables that people are looking at. Straight line speed, explosion, and agility. So those are the measurables. The next thing people want to look at when they talk about edge players is production. And quite simply, it's tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks. Those are the things you look at, and everybody knows that. And when you get to looking at some of the sack numbers that some of the NFL's elite sack artists put up in college, you're going to see that the college sack numbers don't really make a clean projection to NFL success, but there are a couple of indicators, and we'll come back to go over that one in a second here. The third aspect of evaluation is their film. So what do they actually do when you watch them? So you're looking at things like effort, what's their motor like, athleticism, does what you see in their measurables show up in the field? If a guy runs a 4-5, does he look fast on his film, or is it just clock speed? And then also things like technique. Do they have multiple ways to win, or are they pure speed or pure power? Do they use their hands? Do they run upfield and allow quarterbacks to step up or run themselves out of plays? Are their sacks the result of coverage where the quarterback holds the ball for five seconds? Or are their sacks the result of stunts where they just get sent into the gap that gets them to the quarterback without necessarily having to beat a blocker? And then playmaking, strips, sacks, interceptions, big hits. Like, do they make plays? And the last area is projection. So does their college deployment translate to the NFL? Trayvon Walker, as a guy who was dropping into coverage in the hook curl zone and knocking down passes, and a guy who could still line up in a three-tech and rush the pass from the inside, and a guy that can line up outside at defensive end and stuff power, a team that wants to draft him as a decide, can he do all those things in the NFL? Does the things that he did well in college fit our defense? What is his best fit in the NFL? Will he play inside as a three-technique? Will he play as a five-technique and a three-four? Will he play outside in a wide nine? And then the last part of that projection is, well, what's his actually NFL ceiling? If I draft this guy, is his ceiling a really good starter? If so, he can't go in the top five. Is his ceiling defensive player of the year? If so, I'll take that guy in the top three. And so it's these four areas that we're kind of looking at when you're trying to assess how good a prospect is. Measurables, production, film, and projection. So how does Trayvon Walker do in all these areas? This was started years ago by Math Bomb on Twitter, a guy who takes all of the combine numbers, breaks them down into four categories, size, explosion, speed, and agility, weights those scores from each prospect against previous combine scores, like in percentiles, and then gives them an overall composite athleticism grade. And it is a fantastic tool for simply telling you, does this person's athleticism measure up to other prospects historically? You can also get similar data by going to the site Mock Draftable, but the data given from RAS from MathBomb is a little bit easier to digest, and it's just a little bit easier to visually process. So they grade these players on a scale of 0 to 10 on their relative athleticism, and Trayvon Walker's relative athleticism score is a 9.99. He is literally one of the most athletic prospects we've ever seen relative to his height and weight. So his explosion grade, which a 35.5 vertical jump and a 10-foot, 3-inch broad jump, both measured in the great category. His 4.514-yard dash with a 
1.54 10-yard split measured in the elite category. And his agility grade, which is a 4.32 short shuttle, which is very, very good, and a three cone of 6.89, which was elite, put him in the elite category. So in every possible measurement, he is elite physically. By comparison, Miles Garrett, who was the number one pick in the draft a few years ago, he had a relative athleticism score of 9.999. Going back a little further, Jadavion Clowney, number one pick in 2014, relative athleticism, relative athleticism score of 9.7. 4.53 40 yard dash, 10 4 broad jump, 37 and a half inch vertical. Numbers that are very, very similar to Trayvon Walker, measuring at 6 foot 5, 266. Which is crazy to think about the fact that Jadavion Clowney, who seems like he's seven feet tall, is actually smaller than Trayvon Walker, which is insane. And Miles Garrett, who measured at 6'4", 272, running a 4'6", with a 1'6", 3'10", split. These guys are freak shows. Nick Bosa had a relative athleticism score of 9.43 at 6'3", 266, running a 4'7", Bradley Chubb, who was the number one edge taken in the 2018 draft by the Broncos, had a relative athleticism score of 9.52, six, six foot four, 269 pounds, running a 4.6540, testing numbers with the jumps that are very similar to Trayvon Walker's 36 inch vertical, 10 foot broad jump. Uh, going back to Bosa for a second, he had a 1.62 10 yard split, which is important because his 10 yard split, again, was very elite, even though his 40 was good, but not great with 4.79. And then going over to Joey Bosa. A relative athleticism score of 8.9. And I don't know if people remember this, but there were some questions about Bosa's athleticism, which is hilarious now as he's turned out to be just absolutely outstanding player. But he was he measured at six foot five, 269 pounds, with a 32-inch vertical, a 10-foot broad jump, and a 4.86 40-yard dash, which raised some eyebrows because people said those are pretty average testing numbers. Is he athletic enough? But then you go and look at his shuttle drill and his three-cone. Shuttle drill 4.21, which is like what wide receivers run. And his three-cone of 6.89, which is, again, elite for someone his size. And what it showed was that his film, where he's explosive off the ball and he moves well laterally, was confirmed by his testing numbers. Oh, and he's also just really good at football. And then one more to give you as a top edge. Dante Fowler, who was the number three pick in the 2015 class and and uh, just hold your stomachs here, Falcons fans. He had a relative athleticism score of 6.97. So he was undersized at 6'2 and a half, 261. And relative to that size, was had good straight line speed at 4'6. But his explosion numbers were not good with only a 9-foot broad jump. His agility drills were not great with a 7'4 three-cone. And so there were some red flags to him that despite the fact that he was a good straight line athlete. He didn't necessarily have some of the twitch and explosion that really high level prospects have that have been successful. So those are just a few profiles just to compare. And it shows you that Trayvon Walker, even among these elite prospects, and I just gave you three or four guys that are pro bowlers and all pro caliber players. He measures up physically with all of them. Now, same time, Vic Beasley physically measured up with these same kind of prospects. And he was just legitimately not great at football. It's crazy, but Vic Beasley had almost the exact same height, weight, speed, and testing measurables as Von Miller, which explains in part what people thought he could be in the NFL, but obviously this is where film study comes in, and we'll come back to that a little bit later. 
Now, Trayvon Walker played 596 snaps for UJ this past season. That was 60% of their total snaps, the most of any defensive lineman by a significant margin. He totaled 33 tackles, 7.5 tackles for loss, one sack with two pass breakups, and, and that relatively low percentage of snaps is due to several things. One, Georgia blowing out the majority of the teams they played and him not really having to play uh, fourth quarters for a lot of these games. And two, the fact that Georgia has so much depth that they rotate on their defense line. It's kind of ironic that Trayvon Walker is probably the fourth best player on our defense. Um, you could definitely argue N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Lewisine were all better. And you could maybe even argue that Adam Anderson was better. It's just crazy. But he was asked to do probably a lot more on the front than anybody else was. And so he wasn't necessarily deployed in a pure pass rushing role for a lot of the season. But looking at his numbers in the production, you're like six sacks for a guy that's going to go number one overall in the draft. Is is that okay? Well, again, one thing you have to consider is his snap count. By comparison, Aiden Hutchinson played 794 snaps. So he played almost 200 more snaps than Drayvon Walker. And he had 62 total tackles, 16.5 tackles for loss, and 14 sacks. Jermaine Johnson at Florida State, 736 snaps, 14 sacks, 17.5 tackles for loss, and 70 total tackles. So a lot more production doubling up the numbers that you saw out of Trayvon Walker. Kayvon Thibodeau, 560 snaps, which is very, very comparable to what we saw to Trayvon Walker. Seven sacks. And to get put this in a frame of reference that makes it a little bit easier to understand, if you were to project Kayvon Walker's production over the same number of snaps that Aiden Hutchinson played, it brings him up to eight sacks, 44 tackles total, and 10 tackles for loss. With Thibodeau, if you were to project his numbers over the entire the number of snaps that uh, Aiden Hutchinson played because Tibbet only played in 10 games he would project to nine sacks 12 tackles for loss and 49 total tackles and you just hear these and you're like these aren't crazy numbers and Thibodeau is another guy that was a favorite to go number one overall in this draft and so a couple things you have to consider here is how do these compare historically to some of these other really high level prospects looking at Chase Young a couple years ago Chase Young had 16 and a half sacks in 12 games his junior year and he had 10.5 sacks in 13 games as a sophomore. So look at, you can look at his production and his athletic profile and his physical traits and say, this is a pretty easy projection. This guy's going to be good in the NFL. And what do you know? Chase Young was immediately good in the NFL. Miles Garrett, a few years before that, he had 8.5 sacks, 33 tackles, and 15 tackles for loss in 10 games his final year at Texas A&M. So if you project that out over 13 games, you end up with about 10 sacks. But here's the thing with Miles Garrett. He had 22 and a half sacks as a true freshman and as a sophomore. So, you know, double-digit sack numbers early on in his career made him pretty easy to project. And, again, he's one of the best edge rushers in the entire NFL. So, going back a little further, Jadavion Clowney, his junior year was not very good. But if you go look at his freshman and sophomore years, he had 21 sacks and 35 and a half tackles for loss. So when you took that production his freshman and sophomore year, plus the elite measurables he put up with his relative athleticism score and his physical profile, he was, again, a really easy projection. But what about someone like T.J. Watt, who led the NFL in sacks this past year? He had 15.5 tackles for loss and 11.5 sacks his last year at Wisconsin, which was really, really good production. And then he had a very, very high relative athleticism score of 9.92. So he was considered a plus athlete, 6'4", 250, and then had the production to go with it. So again, he was a pretty easy projection as a really high-end edge prospect, even though he went at the end of the first round, 
number 30 to the Steelers. But what's crazy is looking at his brother's production in his last year at Wisconsin, J.J. Watt had seven sacks and 21 TFLs in 13 games. Those sack numbers aren't great, but that TFL total is pretty absurd. And he posted a relative athleticism score of 9.76 as a 6'5", 295-pound prospect. <laughs> so... So when a guy at 6'5", 290, runs a 4.66, oh, and has really good college production, it's a pretty easy projection that that guy could be good in the NFL. That's why J.J. Watt went number 11 in the draft. But again, even looking at production, there aren't clean projections. Vic Beasley had an elite athleticism profile, was a little undersized, but athletically he was elite, and he had adequate production, 30 sacks and 48 tackles for loss in three years. That should have indicated, along with his athletic profile, that he would be a good pass rusher in the NFL. But again, this is where film comes in. The film showed a guy that had inconsistent effort and the inability to win with anything other than speed, which is why you have to combine the athleticism with the production and the film together to get a complete picture of a prospect. It's not mad where you can just look at a guy's speed rating and throw him out there and think he's going to be good. And then one more for you Falcons fans. I hate to I hate to open old wounds, but Dante Fowler. If you look at him, his last year at Florida, eight and a half sacks, which is a solid number, 15 tackles for loss, and 60 tackles. And that total tackle number is really important because that tells you this person's activity level. You can very much apply total tackles to a player's motor. And Fowler had the production profile, but as we discussed, lacked some of the twitch, and then he tore his ACL before he ever took an NFL snap. So Deontay Fowler, who's essentially been a, a slightly better than average edge player for most of his career, below average to the Falcons because he spent a lot of his time injured, there were some red flags from an athleticism standpoint that said, hey, this guy probably doesn't have the physical profile of a typical top five edge. Doesn't mean that you don't draft the guy. It just means that Dante Fowler probably should not have gone number three in that draft. He probably projects as a guy that should have gone more like 18. So when you watch the top prospects in the 2022 draft on film, the guy whose motor stands out as probably being the best in the class, at least among these top prospects, it's pretty easily Aiden Hutchinson. And it's not that the other guys don't play hard, but considering the number of snaps Hutchinson plays, the amount of effort that he gives snap in, snap out is just unmatched. And it shows up in his stats. Again, the guy had 62 tackles this year. Same thing with Jermaine Johnson, a guy who plays very, very hard. He had 70 tackles. Now, let me throw you a curveball. The best edge in college football this past year was actually not in this draft. I said this all year. A guy that should have been a Heisman finalist, arguably should have won the Heisman. Will Anderson had 101 tackles this year, 31 and a half tackles for lost. One of the highest totals in college football history. I think it's fourth. That is a guy who projects easily as a top three pick in the NFL draft. And in fact, if Will Anderson was not a true sophomore, he would pretty easily be the number one pick in this draft. So, let's put a bow on this. What does this mean for Trayvon Walker? Trayvon Walker does not have the profile of what I'll refer to as a safe top 10 edge player. His athleticism and his film justify a top 20 pick. Trayvon Walker can rush the passer, but a lot of his sacks are manufactured sacks, meaning they don't come off him whipping a guard or tackle. They come off of twists, they come off of stunts that free him up to get clear access to the quarterback. Now, he does have good pass rushing reps, but Trayvon Walker does not have a lot of moves. He has very good hands, but he doesn't have a spin move. You don't see him using a great chop or a great rip consistently to win one-on-one against tackles. 
And this is where a website like Pro Football Focus is really good in some of the stats they give you. Aiden Hutchinson had a pass rush win rate of 25%. He generated 74 pressures, which is by far the highest of anybody in this class. Thibodeau, by comparison, 22.8 pass rush win rate, 47 pressures. George Karlaftis, another one we haven't talked about, but his name is in the first round, 23.6% win rate, 54 pressures. Trayvon Walker, 10.1% win rate, 34 pressures. Now, you have to account for snaps, but the win rate does not depend on snap count. And so there are things in his profile that do raise your eyebrows. He is not a pure pass rusher, and that's okay as long as you understand that's what you're getting. But for a number one pick that's going to play defensive end in most schemes, he's got to get to the quarterback. And so when projecting Trayvon Walker, I see a guy who is scheme versatile. He can reduce inside to play a three-tech on passing downs. He can play a base four-three defensive end and be very, very good. He can play a five-tech and a three-four as he did at Georgia and be really good against the run. He is scheme versatile. A guy whose athleticism and film justifies a top 20 pick, probably even top 15. But I just don't see any evidence that he's a Miles Garrett, Chase Young type of pass rusher. And while he's very good at football, he does not project as someone that's going to get 15 sacks in the NFL. And as a number one pick, that's something that you got to have. So I love Trayvon Walker. I hope these other teams pass on him in the top five so they can fall to the Falcons at number eight, and we will gladly take him. If not, I hope people continue to talk about the nonsense regarding Kayvon Thibodeau's attitude because he's got the profile of a top five pass rusher, and people seem to be overthinking this just like they overthought Micah Parsons last year. Either way, folks, I'm telling you, the Falcons have a chance to get a really high-level edge player at number eight. I hope they make the right choice because, as I've said before, I think taking a receiver or a quarterback at eight is foolish. And I'm ready to see Terry Fontenot give Dean Peace some game records so that we can finally turn the Falcons around into a competent defense and accelerate this rebuild. This has been David Thay for the Title Run Sports Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.